0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to creative people about how they do their thing, how they keep it going, how they don't go crazy, how they hang in there. And this week I have two guests. They're the men behind the Emmy-nominated web series, Eastsiders, Kit Williamson and John Halbach. They are both actors in the show. Kit wrote and directed it. They both executive produced it and they both star in it. So, um... It's their baby, and when I went to visit their place, they were in the midst of sending out Kickstarter uh, videos to people that had supported them, and there was all these packages. They were like it was like Santa's workshop of um, Manila folders and envelopes and and rewards and stuff. So it was very fun to talk to them. Um, I'm about two thirds through the third season of East Siders, and it's so good. Each one is like this little. Play the way they did it. Anyway, we got all into that when we do the interview. Um, before we get to that, I want to encourage you to check out DennisAnyone.net. I've done a redesign, working with some new colors, a new scheme. Um, I'm going to post some pictures that I took at uh, John and Kit's place, um, some funny uh, holiday themed de- decorations that we talk about. So if you go to DennisAnyone.net, you can see those pictures that go with the podcast. Um, I also want to get a plug-in for LifeCast, my new company, my new venture. It's um, where I interview people. They hire me to interview them about their life, and they get this kind of podcast-like MP3 file that they can share with loved ones. Uh, It's a great legacy thing. It's a great gift for somebody that's celebrating something landmark, or if you want to get your parents' story down, uh, uh, definitely a great thing for people with older relatives um, I find that I've been booking clients. I've got some stuff lined up in New York city for January, and I now have interest in San Francisco. So if you're in either of those places and, and you think you'd like this, hit me up at, uh, Dennis at get or Dennis at Dennis Hensley.com, either one. And, uh, we'll talk. And if you're in LA, uh, we can do it as well. I'm working on figuring out how to do it via Skype. Uh, and I'm hoping to have that in the new year, but, um, Anyway, it's my new company. I'm launching it, and uh, it's exciting. So, um, I hope you check out getalifecast.com. That's where um, the website uh, has my video and explains all about it. And um, that was a really good commercial, wasn't it? I was a little shaggy on that. But anyway, it's shag- We're, it's been a lot. We got through the Alabama election. We have a lot going on. It's been a crazy year. I just read Selma Hayek's piece about Harvey Weinstein in the New York Times and I'm like upset by it. It's so, he's such a monster. It's like, you know, when they make movies and they always talk about the James Bond movies, like, oh, that villain wasn't very good or the superhero movies, you know, they needed a good villain. Like how hard it is to have a good villain. Harvey Weinstein is the worst villain in the history of anything. Like, when I heard that recording of him trying to get that model to go into his hotel room with them, and she was saying, why did you grab me yesterday? It was just, like, pure fucking evil. And I just, I, I get chills when I think about it. So I can't imagine, I've, I've made this point before on this podcast, a lot of these actresses, I interviewed Selma Hayek, I interviewed Gwyneth Paltrow during that time, and... Imagining what that they were putting up with, what Selma Hayek had to go through to get Frida made. And then she ended up getting two Oscars for the uh, Miramax company. Man, I, gosh, I hope horrible things happen to Harvey Weinstein. I just, uh, and all of them, it's crazy. Russell Simmons now with that? I got to go to his house and interview him when I was producing this show called uh, Breakdown. Um, I wasn't the interviewer, I was the producer and... Our hosts interviewed him, and they were, you know, very in awe of him, and they admired him so much, and they talked about, you know, what are your secrets to success, and they were these young, cool, up-and-coming hosts, and, like, I'm surprised he didn't say, hey, try raping. I've gotten away with it for years. I, I don't remember that coming up in the interview. Man, men are turds. Anyway, where were we? Oh yeah, we're going to have this great interview with two men that are turds. They're the opposite of turds. They're wonderful. They're two of the creators of uh, Eastsiders. It's a really great web series that is um, winning fans all over the world, which is really fun to hear about. So enjoy the interview with Kit Williamson and John Hollock. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the beautiful and Christmassy apartment here in Silver Lake of Kit Williamson and John Hallback. Did I pronounce that right? You did. There you go. They are the two uh, co-executive producers of the popular web series Eastsiders. They also act in it, and uh, Kit writes and directs every episode. We're going into our third season. Just came out on uh, the online platforms, and you guys are up to your eyeballs in Kickstarter Rewards and envelopes and stuff. I feel like I came into a, a you know, like a factory where there's a, a, a bit of. I could do. I could lick stamps if I need to do anything like that.
1: <laughs> you missed that. That was all yesterday. All we the stamp licking. The stamp licking day. Assembly line envelope yep. stuffing. Stamp licking. We had grand plans to actually print these mailing labels, but every year
2: the printer outsmarts us, and we yeah. end up writing them by hand. Yeah, so it's uh, Santa's Big Gay Web Series Workshop in here. That's what it
0: feels like. (laughs) It does. It's kind of cool. I want to go on a tangent about a printer. I have a printer at home that is possessed by demons. And my roommate's like, hey, do you think I could print this out? I said, I don't know if it's going to work. And the other day I had a meltdown of such epic performance. I can't talk about the printer is the point. (laughs) The point is that's going to be the reason I finally lose it. But when you're, like, you've got all these people that have have contributed to help you make this thing. When you're sort of sending out that stuff, are you kind of like, wow, these people believe in us? Do you Like, are you able, are you conscious when you're doing that? That you're like, the reason I'm going to the post office with these gigantic boxes of stuff is because... These people got behind what we wanted to do.
2: Yeah, 100%. You have to also just repeat that to yourself as a mantra anytime you start getting negative about, you know, something going wrong at the post office right. or envelopes are ripping open because you've got three DVDs this time instead of two DVDs
0: and the same envelopes you used last year won't work and so you have to redo this. Ah! <laughs> no, I hear it. And uh, by the way, that's Kit's voice so you can tell the voices apart. So yeah, you, you kind of have to remember like, oh, we wanted to do this and we wanted wanted to tell these stories
1: yeah and it's a kind of a cool experience to try to find the silver lining of stuffing all the envelopes going through and seeing everybody's names and seeing people who you remember from the campaign and who you remember from commenting
2: on facebook or you remember from the season one kickstarter campaign and you realize wow this person has been supporting us for almost five years now that's just a crazy thing to think about And to see people from your life years and years and years ago,
1: family, or people you went to middle school with who somehow saw the campaign on Facebook and ended up supporting it,
0: that's also really, really cool, too. And so certain names just pop up, and you're like, oh, I know that person. Yeah. 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 Do you have international people supporting you?
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Where's the furthest flung... Eastsiders fan.
2: We get uh, letters from people all the time, especially on Instagram. We get messages from Saudi Arabia, from wow. Nigeria. Definitely a lot of people in China, um, it, and they're not uh, available in
0: Netflix in all of those places. Right. However, um, people find a way. Yeah. No, they like I, I visited Dubai uh, a couple years ago, but everyone has like their secret ISDN, like how they're able to get on the the gay apps and stuff like that. There's a way. It can mm-hmm. happen. I mean, Saudi Arabia is incredibly conservative, but you get you get fans from there.
2: Yeah. That's it's, amazing. It's wild. And, you know, a lot of people writing to us with kind of questions about uh, what it's like to live openly as a gay person. I mean, we, uh, we met somebody from India the other day who said that uh, he was living in India at the time and it helped him realize that he could come out seeing... What life might be like for right. people, even though these uh, these characters have really messy lives, it's still preferable to living in the shadows.
0: Well, the problems aren't I'm gay and somebody's going to find out and I'm going to lose everything, which right. is a is a valid story, but that's not what you're exploring here. Um, what was the very first germ of the idea? What what was your like a moment where you thought uh, there might be something that you want to explore here?
2: I was really thinking about the neighborhood. Yeah. That was the first thing. You know, I fell in love with Silver Lake. We moved here. Uh, I was in West Hollywood for the first year that I was in Los Angeles. And then when I came to Silver Lake, it was like, oh, wow, this is where my people are. This is where everything, literally everything that I love is, from vegetarian restaurants and farmer's markets to...
0: uh, Hipster gay bars
2: with bearded drag queens
0: Right, you could you didn't have to shave all the time yeah. you, When you moved over here, did you feel like If you're going to go to the grocery store You don't have to quite pull it together As much as you would feel like you had to in West Hollywood Or is that just me projecting
2: I have no problem walking out And being a hot mess on the streets of West Hollywood <laughs> all
0: right. Thank you very much
2: But a lot of people It's a kind it's of too. courage there, I think
0: <laughs> So there was something about the neighborhood That you wanted to capture
2: Yeah, and also the desire to play gay that right. was the, the kind of dual sort of motivation for me. I'd never played a gay character. I'd never really given been given the opportunity to inhabit a gay character, much less one that I could relate to or that reminded me of the people around me.
0: Right. Now, I know you'd done some playwriting and stuff up until then, but the idea of writing this kind of a series, was that uh, something that, that you, you'd kind of wanted to do? Or did you really want to stretch your muscles as a writer and director? Or was it more about creating a role for yourself to play
2: well i was in a uh, mfa program at ucla studying playwriting at the time and really focusing most of my attention on theater but right. um kind of just like how i realized that i wasn't going to be able to make a living as an actor in theater i, I sort of also knew instinctually that i was not going to make a living as a playwright even right. though it's something i really love so i definitely had my eye on the tv writing space right. uh, back then but that was really an uh, ambiguous concept for me at the time
0: right now were you guys together you're you're a couple you're married where how long have you been together before this idea kind of came along oh gosh
2: five or six years right something like that we're coming up on 11
1: so that that would be the math i think (laughs) where did you guys meet we met in new york city i was bartending at a theater district hangout called angus That i I know
0: angus mackindoo yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i I lived there Mm -hmm. For, not long, three months or whatever, uh, working on the Big Gay Sketch Show. But that was in my neighborhood. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Did you ever go up to the third floor bar?
0: I don't think I did.
2: Well, that's where we met. A <laughs> private party for a show that I was doing. And we had a mutual friend that was in the cast with me that had gone to conservatory with John at North Carolina School of the Arts. So she came up to both of us individually and said, you know, John's single and not crazy.
1: You know, Kit's single and not crazy. And just walked away. Mm-hmm. And he ended up talking to me at the bar, and we hung out the whole night as I was closing up my drawer and everything, and ended up having our first date a couple of weeks after that. Been together ever since. But it took you a couple
0: of weeks to have that first date. This what was is going
2: a on there? Point of contention. So <laughs> he thought I was blowing him off, even though we friended each other on. My, my Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even though we, we became acquainted on MySpace, I and wouldn't even though, say that somebody
0: I met. on friendster. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Uh,
2: so we did the MySpace thing and, uh, I was so excited. I was so, like giddily excited about him. I showed his profile to my mom cause she had, was coming to visit, uh, to see the show and showed him to my sister and I was like, I'm going on a date with this guy. But I then immediately got the flu.
0: Oh, and okay. had to
2: cancel our first date and John apparently was convinced that I was faking that old story <laughs> I had bought tickets to go
1: see Bridget Everett at Ars Nova it was going to be a cool first date I was excited about it and then Ooh, I was Bridget suspicious. Everett that's
0: cool and edgy <laughs> that's like in the know like you were really on the Bridget Everett train it's, I was trying before yeah. she really blew up and then I thought he was fake sick but then it turned
1: out he was real sick and we ended up going on our eventual first date which was also cool we went to see the original
0: cast of Spring Awakening. <gasps> yeah. I love that show so much. So we still had a great first date, and we Did still- you cry in the show? I actually
2: think I did, yeah.
0: I yeah. cried. I remember when and where I cried on that show. That would have, I would have been blubbery on a first it date. Those you've yeah. known. Yeah. yeah but early I on, I, oh, yeah. I cry in musicals for no reason. Like, it's not even sad yet, but there's something overwhelming about all of the senses. It's just so beautiful and big, and I don't know. I just get emotional, so... That's a great first date.
2: Yeah, I good. love that. Total lightning in a bottle and super super gay. So we uh, we had spring <laughs> awakening. and We also got dinner at Vinyl. Which is Vinyl. A- <laughs> which which
0: bathroom did you use?
2: Uh, well, this. I the still additional. think it's weird
0: that Nelly has a bathroom. Did they get rid of that?
2: Yeah. Who is it now? Right? All
0: four. There's four bathrooms and they're all themed they with moved. a different celebrity. Oh shit! Next
2: door and I think it cut. Two bathrooms. Now I think it's Beyoncé.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And and Justin
2: my, Timberlake, maybe? And Yeah, weirdly, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. I always, at the original location, would go in Dolly.
0: Yeah, you had yeah. to go Dolly in Dolly. Bryan. Dolly or Cher. What, was Cher, Dolly, Nellie? Nellie. And Elvis yeah. was the other one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Lucky break for Nellie. And then... Uh, he was living in the dorms at the time, but he walked me to my subway stop, which was the 49th Street subway stop. And, and you have our- got
0: a sign for yeah. the subway mm-hmm. uh, over your uh, couch. Commemorating our first kiss
1: yeah. at the 49th Street subway stop.
0: How did you get that sign?
2: So we have this giant 49th Street subway stop we'll sign. We'll take a
0: picture of it before we leave and put it on the website. Yeah. And
2: we moved back to New York two years ago because John was doing a job in advertising and when we were looking for furniture for our first, like for our new apartment there, we were going to, we rented a truck and we're going to drive to Ikea and get right. like the essentials like you right. do. And on our way to Ikea in Red Hook, we noticed there was a tag sale, like a weird like tag sale in Brooklyn and they had yeah. all this vintage crap and I was digging through a stack of stuff and
0: we found this giant sign. And this happens to be, this the place where you had your first kiss. Yeah. That's amazing, and though <laughs> that's so good, I love it. Now um, you play Ian John in in the piece, and whereas Kit wanted to play a gay character, you're you playing a straight character. What, how did your role come to be conceived? And when you were talking about this thing, was it always like he was going to play this character? How did that come to be?
1: Yeah, he did write it for me at the time. We had both mostly done theater and had were new to L.A. and wanted to get on-camera acting experience, and um, that was what I was interested in doing. And also, like, we went through a lot of different cast iterations at the beginning, trying to get everything cast. Right. And there were times where I was maybe going to be Tom and maybe going to be Jeremy, but I think even at the time, we thought that was maybe kind of odd to have us playing a couple or <laughs> yeah. love interest in the
2: show. So it, was, it seemed cleaner to keep us separate. Right. Well, yeah, and especially playing Tom, I think it would send the message that everything in the show is autobiographical, right. which it's not.
0: Cause Tom is, your character is Cal and Tom is Cal's love interest. And they go through a lot of uh, evolution in their relationship. They open it up. They kind of become monogamish. They, they go through a lot.
2: When well, the whole first season is about infidelity and right. kind of, messed up love triangle between cal tom and jeremy right so it's sending a lot of uh inaccurate signals if if you were to play tom in the first season
0: right but what is it like to write a show and make a show about relationships with somebody that you're in a relationship with like for example you as a writer say i'm really interested in exploring that and you're like wait what are you talking about (laughs) you know how do you uh keep those lines from getting too blurry what are you trying to say with this scene
2: yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good question. I mean, he's never been um, uh, restrictive or dis- prescriptive to me about, like, what I should and shouldn't write about. Um, and also, I, it, it's not a autobiographical story in that sense, so it's not like I'm, uh, you know, say, like, presenting this sort of, like caught in amber vision of our lives you know right um but of course you know you're writing about relationships They're like the you same said sort so, of themes that come yeah. up everybody but those themes should hopefully be universal right that's i think that's the challenge is to be as specific as possible with the characters but also have it apply to everybody's relationship in some way that they can relate to i don't know how weird
0: was it babe yeah how, what's it like <laughs> when you first read the scripts i are oh, you sort of aware, you know, scene by scene, how things are evolving? Um, I sort of have an idea of what's going on while he's
1: writing, and then I end up getting to read it. And I love reading the new scripts now, as the new seasons have happened. It's kind of like when the Sex and the City movies come, and you're like, oh, you get to catch up with these characters again. Yeah.
0: So, I don't care if they're going to Abu Dhabi. Yeah. I'm, in. <laughs> I'm in. It's true. Yeah. I'll follow those ladies anywhere.
1: <laughs> and I guess we're kind of used to people thinking the characters are us at this point, because people have suspected that or had their own ideas about what's true and what isn't from the beginning so kind of par for the course at this point and sometimes people are right
0: about what's true and sometimes people aren't so yeah. <laughs> just you just roll with it yeah <laughs> i love that <laughs> you guys got married in 2016 yeah where, where'd you do it
1: in joshua tree where, is where we had our ceremony and nice. then we bust everybody back to an amazing house in palm springs for a little house party that's so cool
0: What kind of bus did you have?
2: We rented, like, a big tour bus to take everybody from Palm Springs into the middle of the desert. And we did the ceremony at Keys View, looking out at the San Jacinto Mountains and the uh, San Andreas Fault and the Salton Sea. And that was a place that we tried to go to every time that we would go to joshua tree i've never been to to joshua tree oh you've got to go it's it's so beautiful and you have to drive into the park i think that the perfect little route is to just drive to keys view and back yeah Uh, you don't even have to get out and hike if that's not your thing you just look at the landscape as it changes and the further you get into the park the more it feels like this beautiful alien landscape where you're surrounded by this army of trees it's really really gorgeous um and we stopped everybody halfway through. We stopped the bus halfway out to uh, do a photo shoot with all of our family and friends and made everybody, every single guest, get, like, fancy desert photo shoots.
0: Yes. <laughs> You've <laughs> got to have a fancy desert photo yeah. shoot.
2: <laughs> and then on the way back, we put the, um, uh, we did the speeches over the uh, the mic system, over the sound system on the bus. Which he was originally That's cool.
0: Multitasking. I think that's
1: good. It makes the bus ride more interesting. Great. I was hesitant. I was initially against the idea. I thought it seemed sort of impersonal and crazy. But it ended up being awesome. Captive audience. People really liked it. I love it. Really lucky how obsessed I am with our wedding. It all went out great.
0: That's so cool.
2: Yeah, I felt like I was on Molly for three days. It was (laughs) so,
1: so fun. We love that place so much. So it was so cool to share that place with our
0: friends and family. Who proposed? I did. Yeah? Did you know it was coming, Kit?
2: Well, I threatened to propose if he didn't propose, so yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Apparently
1: he had a plan to do it about a month after I ended up doing it. I did it when we had moved back to New York for the second time. Right. Um, I got there a couple of months before him and got the cat out there and got settled into our new place. And he had been going back and forth for a couple of months. And that was exhausting and... Really wanted to make things official after we'd moved across the country together multiple times. I know.
0: <laughs> and so, you did, where did you propose at?
1: Uh, I greeted him at the doorway to our new apartment. It was snowing outside. I came downstairs with champagne and helped him with his bags and came up to see our place for the first time and opened the doors and I'd filled the apartment with candles and had a big light up sign that said, will you marry me?
2: And uh, hilariously, like with sitcom timing because of the bag uh, that I was carrying, I, uh, I backed into the apartment backwards and wasn't looking at the candles and just, like, kept talking and telling some story, probably about somebody that annoyed me on the flight or something. Right. And just, like, stayed with my back turned to all of these candles and everything. I had no idea that they were behind me for, like, a good couple of minutes. (laughs) Seemed like a couple of minutes. Were you
0: just, like, going, what is happening? (laughs) Why won't he turn around?
2: (laughs) Did you eventually tell me to turn around?
1: I don't remember. I think I probably have some old cell phone footage of this we could explore someday we'll yeah. unearth it
0: <laughs> for the Release dvd extras the or something <laughs> um what did you make the light up sign of? i'm very curious oh it that was like a, yourself
1: thing t- i didn't make it it was okay. like a tiny
0: like theater marquee i love that it's cute it's cute pulled out all the stops <laughs> no how long have you been back in los angeles because it seems like you've lived in
1: both places we moved back almost a year ago exactly last november so a year yeah. and two
0: months Now in season three of East Siders, there's an episode where your couple, the couple is coming back to New York and I feel like you guys are talking about all the reasons you're ready to leave New York and go to LA. Like it's those dialogues that that I think a lot of creatives have about the different cities. Is that just taken straight from, from your life?
2: Well, a lot of that is definitely autobiographical feelings. Uh, and the title of that episode, each of the episodes of the new season are kind of titled after some other work of art that inspired it thematically. Right. And the first episode was inspired by a Joan Didion essay, uh, Goodbye to All That. Right. The episode's called Goodbye to All That Shit, and it's just about all the things that make New York impossible and unlivable and untenable, and also the things that will make me miss it forever.
0: Right. And it, you you cover both. Um, there's also an episode set in Palm Springs that features Stephen Guarino and Willem, Uh, Both of whom I've had the pleasure of working with It's almost all them And it's this amazing sort of Virginia Woolf-esque Relationship, (laughs) two-hander Because structurally it's different than what you've done before Where this is a little more Like a Master of None thing where it's kind of A self-contained theme in an episode being explored And I love the direction that you've taken that Um, But talk to me about the inspiration For the Palm Springs episode With those two Because I feel like you really captured Uh Especially for Willem's character, like, like his frustration with the type of gigs he's getting, and do I want to do this? And uh, it just felt really perfect for those two to play those those characters in that moment.
2: Thank you. That one's called Priscilla, and it's kind of a little inspired uh, by Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. It opens with their convertible breaking down in the desert on the way to a drag gig in Cathedral City. right? And uh, they get waylaid in Palm Springs, perhaps by design, and you'll have to watch it to figure out exactly why, uh, why I say that. But the inspiration for it actually came from Instagram, because we got written to uh, on our Instagram accounts by a fan of the show who owned a beautiful mid century house in Palm Springs called the Burton house.
0: Wow. And said
2: If you want to come stay, you're welcome to come stay. So we came and stayed. We we're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And then, um, you know, I wrote to her and I said, you know, would you ever be able to shooting something here? And she was like, absolutely. So it was A yes. female fan. Yes. Yes. I love lesbian that. Lesbian fan.
0: I love that. <laughs> That's and awesome.
2: They were so great to us, and we had to reschedule the shoot a couple of times because of scheduling issues with, you know, our very successful, wonderful cast who book pilots all the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so glad that we got it done. It was it was a really really hard shoot because we ended up doing it in um, July, in 116 degree heat. But it was worth it. I, I'm, it's my favorite episode, I think, of the show, which is a funny thing to say because I'm not in it.
0: but then you were able to focus you know what i mean right you were able to just concentrate on that um both willem and steven are super funny uh people did you let them improvise at all or was it pretty much scripted
2: they always have permission to improvise at any moment that they feel like and i was surprised they didn't do it as much this time so maybe they like the script more i don't know (laughs) Uh, but this one is actually pretty close to as written yeah. He's
1: also really good at writing for both of them, I think. And, you know, good for writing for all these characters five years later.
2: Yeah, that's that's a big part of it is that we had a year of kind of developing these characters together. So we're all pretty on the same page about who they are and how they talk and how they feel about the world.
0: And you got some Emmy love. Yeah. Recently. What, tell me about what the categories were.
2: It's a doozy. Are you ready? Yeah. It is the outstanding digital daytime drama series
0: so they're counting Cameron. it as like a, a daytime drama thing
2: well there's no long form digital series right um uh, award uh outside of outstanding digital daytime drama series uh, drama and comedy are both short form
0: so what are you up against
2: So we were up against uh, things like The Bay, which is a a soap about the Bay Area. Um,
0: But you weren't up against regular soaps. No, that's not digital. Okay, Mm -hmm. I got you. You weren't going up against Susan Lucci. Right. (laughs) Oh, Anything like that. A lot of
2: soap actors
1: on the shows that are in this category, but no traditional broadcast soaps. That's great.
0: And you got that for uh, season two or both seasons? or season two, and Van was nominated for Best Actor. Yeah. Fantastic. Did you go to a ceremony? We did.
2: We went to a banquet hall downtown. What was it? It was at a big uh, hotel. Huge hotel banquet. Yeah, it was giant, it felt giant like a giant, football field. football field of a banquet. Uh, and it was a fancy sit-down dinner. And uh, they made the mistake of leaving <laughs> a bottle of wine on the table. So I got way too drunk. Right. <laughs> Multiple bottles of wine on yeah, the table. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just leave the bottle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you have a good time?
2: We had a blast. It was super fun. I love that.
0: And who won the category? Did you... Oh, my God. Did you guys the make some... The, sure. the, the Bay one? for sure. The Bay one yeah. Did you throw anything or make a scene? No, right? we didn't throw anything.
2: <laughs> we were very supportive yeah. of the other people in these categories. I think it's really cool, actually, what the daytime community is doing. Yeah. Uh, they're supporting the internet. They're they're supporting digital series. And they have been for a while, too, with the Indie Series Awards and, and a few other... Um, sort of things as, as some soaps went daytime. I, which one went daytime first? Was it when digital first? Oh, was digital. Well,
1: all my children did for a minute there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I, I, and you definitely see a lot of people kind of going from the daytime space to the web series space. Right. Um, so that's, that's something that I think the fans of daytime television have been especially receptive to watching shows online, yeah. which it definitely was our first core audience <coughs> were uh, fans of as the world turns and the, the first, you know, a couple months of the show, like they did a, a campaign before we even launched the first episode to get us to a thousand likes on Facebook. And, like, that's was huge super it because supportive.
0: Of one of your actors was on as a Is it Van? Yeah, yeah. Van
2: is this is his f- fourth plays. daytime Emmy
0: nomination. That's awesome. Van plays the uh, character of Tom, who is your, your primary love interest throughout the show. How did you come to cast him?
2: I actually had a lot of trouble. Finding the right fit for Tom, uh, looking at different people in our lives. We got kind of hate crammed a little bit by one guy, I think, because he kind of signed on to do it and then kind of realized, like, got cold feet, I think, about playing gay. I was going to cast this straight actor that I knew. That um,
0: happens sometimes.
2: Mm-hmm. It happens a lot. I was,
0: <laughs> I was connected to a project once where. A straight actor was cast and he was like all into it and all of it. And then as it got closer, it kind of freaked out, I think, a little. Or I don't know. I think that happens sometimes.
2: Yeah, I think that we all have th- these ideas of who we are, not just as actors, but as people, right? Right. I think about it in terms of my own relationship with, would I uh, do full frontal nudity in a project? Right. The answer is absolutely. I'd be super excited to do it. But I want some assurance I'm going to win the Oscar.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> you know, like, that's, <laughs> that's an exaggeration, but, like, you want to make sure that, like, I, I feel like any straight actor would play the lead and call me by your name. Right. But are they going to do it for a grad student's gay web series? Eh, maybe they might have second thoughts about that. You know, like, they don't know me, they don't know necessarily what my intentions are. Right. So, I get it. I also think it's bullshit because nobody has sex in my show, so, like... Or at least in the first two seasons of my show. Check out season three. Um, but well, there's
0: a lot of... There's a lot of kissing that's leading to sex. Like, there's a lot of...
2: Pre and post-coital.
0: Pre and post, post, post-coital. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, but, but I think that, like, the pressure... Uh, we experienced a lot of that in casting in season one. Because we also... We had auditions for the role of Jeremy. Yeah. And a lot of people got the script and kind of bailed when they realized that they were going to have, like, a romantic scene. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, being gay at a party, I guess. Whatever they thought the character was going to be instead. But Van came to us through the recommendation of our acting teacher, Leslie Kahn. I actually met most of the cast through acting class at Leslie Kahn when I first got to Los Angeles some eight years ago.
0: Right. And there's great... There's a great... uh... Kathy, the character of Kathy, which is your love interest in the beginning and then evolves into Constance a different. Constance Wu. Constance Wu.
2: Maria Grant, who plays uh, Jeremy's sister, J- Jeremy's lesbian sister. I also met her in that acting class. Sean Marr, who plays my boss, who is uh, he's an amazing out gay actor who was on Firefly and Serenity and so many TV shows. Um, a, a bunch of people came to that class.
0: And Tracy Lords plays your mother. Yes. What a coup. I and mean, she's really come great. On.
2: It was such an honor and a pleasure to work with her. How did she I, come
0: to be in the project? We
2: met her through Van, actually. Van had just done a horror movie with her called "Devil May Call" about right. a killer uh, stalking people at a call center at night. And um,
0: she, oh my god, that's creepy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and uh, she uh, he talked to her, you know, was like, "Hey, I'm doing this thing," and she's like, "Oh, that sounds fun." And then uh, he said you know, would you write a part for Tracy? If you do, I'll send it to her. So I wrote a scene not knowing if it would be something I would shape around, an episode yeah. around. I was just like, okay, I'll just write a scene. I'll, I can do that as an exercise, right. as a just-in-case. And she loved it and wanted to do it. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Are you kidding me? And now three seasons later, she's uh, her part's grown throughout it, and, uh, and I'm just obsessed, obsessed, obsessed that she's in the show.
0: She was one of my very first interviews in, like, Ninety-three, maybe? Ninety-four? It was kind of, like... That was exciting. I liked her. Yeah.
1: She's lovely.
0: Uh, And she's very... Her character is tight with Tom. So through all the ups and downs of your relationship, your mother's sort of hovering or, you know, like, you don't even know where... It's not like she's picked a side. Not that she's asked to pick a side, but I do love that she's got her own relationship with Tom.
2: Yeah, I think she feels personally betrayed by Tom cheating on Cal in season one because she kind of took him under her wing and fully like thinks of him as a son. Yeah. And so to have that like potential rupture in the family, Mm -hmm. like if they broke, like she says it in the first, uh, in the fourth episode of the first season, she's like, if they broke up, it would, she gets really melodramatic about the possibility of them breaking up. Right. Because she feels like that would be like really unfair to her. (laughs) (laughs) She's put all this time and energy into their relationship.
0: I love that. And you mentioned that you do the post and uh, pre-coital thing. Was that a conscious decision, how much to show, what kind of scenes to have, and what went into that decision?
2: Yeah, you know, our first couple of episodes were on YouTube, and, yeah. um, you know, there's there's not a lot of context there. It's, not a, it's easy to have your intentions misunderstood, and I really wanted this to be a story about relationships and a story... Um, About the changes in the characters' lives and the decisions that they make. I didn't want it to be exploitative. Right. Um, Not to say that I think that all nude scenes or sex scenes are exploitative. It's all contingent, not just on how they're executed, but also on how they are marketed and packaged. So, it was a deliberate decision in the first two seasons to step away from that. In the third season, we have multiple sex scenes, um, though they might not be the kind of sex scenes you're expecting. (laughs) Um, So, we definitely, um, we think about it in terms of, um, you know, like, I think it's a sexy show. I think that a lot of people are surprised. Even people who have watched it are sometimes surprised when I tell them there are no sex scenes in the first two seasons. Because there is that whole threesome episode where there are eight threesomes in one one episode. Yeah. But no sex. So, how about that?
0: Well, what's sexy about it is that they're characters whose ideas of sex and relationships are not as sort of traditional as what you're likely to see on a soap. Like, we're not likely to see on As the World Turns, like, a let's have a three-way and see how that goes. And, you know, like, I I think that's what's kind of cool about it. Um, What's it like to direct love scenes, whether you're in them or not? Or romantic scenes? I mean, it's... Or especially if you're directing John's, you know... Romantic scenes
2: I mean honestly directing John's romantic scenes Super easy it's Just make it out with ladies the whole time <laughs> <laughs> um, But I, I think that It's it's a commonly uh, Something I've heard in a lot of interviews And I just have to echo uh, People aren't kidding when they say That it's just like super awkward and not sexy And like it, It's very choreographed And um, you know I, I think if you were to just have like Two actors like really go at it on camera, it would look terrible.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: like, um, maybe there's there's some, like, hyper-realistic porn director who's going to, like, write in and say, no, you fool, I know how to do it. And I'll be like, okay, cool. But, uh, <laughs> but generally speaking, I think that, you know kiss him at this angle instead of this angle and like mm, i'm not really seeing your you know your your face or like oh i'm seeing too much of your body or whatever like those sort of like micro adjustments that kind of directing that honestly i try to avoid doing outside of those sort of situations um and really like takes whatever heat you might think could happen even if there is chemistry between two people throws it right out the window Right. Um, but with uh, with me and Van, it's like we have such a, a fraternal relationship. Yeah, you
0: guys have a really great chemistry. Yeah. But we're
2: really like we're buddies. I I think of him like a, a relative, like a brother. Um, but it's it's just such an ease in terms of our uh, our acting chemistry that we never really have to like second guess if he goes for something. I just follow him. Right. You now,
0: now this third season, you do a road trip thing. That yeah. seems. Uh, logistically challenging or what, what went into that decision
2: well that was a nightmare
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were in 16 states
2: yeah we drove from New York to LA hauling a vintage camper trailer from the 1960s
0: that, tramper, that camper is enchanting where did it end up
2: it's actually in Bria Grant's driveway.
1: That's true. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. so you can still... It's in. We own it, yeah.
2: It's owned. She is really earning her producer credit on season three. Uh, she came <laughs> Just for storing that camp? hoping oh. to produce uh, our Kickstarter and post-production and our festival run. And uh, and obviously has been like a huge part of the show since season one. She's been in the first two seasons. Um, but in terms of like the motivation for the, the road trip, we had to get the characters back to L.A. Right. And, um, you know, I briefly considered doing like a, a New York sort of like season or New York episode. And I thought, you know, this, this feels wrong. We just want to get them back and we want to get them back in a cinematic way. And wouldn't this be a cool idea? So, um, pretty quickly after, um, you know, writing the first season, I thought about how can we do, you know, how can we get them back? Right. Um, also we knew we, we didn't want to stay in New York forever ourselves so we we knew from the moment that we moved to new york that that was going to kind of be a temporary proposition right um so yeah just started thinking about that right away and uh we're also i mean honestly we're thinking partially about sponsors uh because we had a bunch of different proposals out for different concepts for the show and uh one of our sponsors that came on board was audi
0: Right, you have a sexy little Audi car.
2: Yeah, I was like,
0: "That's a nice car." <laughs> we
2: don't still have that. We don't, we still, don't still have, have it. it. But they gave it to you for the shoot. We had it for the shoot. Which, thank God, they did, because our little Subaru Outback can haul that camper trailer, but it can haul it at fifty miles an hour. Right, and <laughs> so you can't get across the country. How anymore.
0: did Audi feel about you hauling a camper?
2: They were great. Okay, they cool. installed the trailer hitch for us, and um, I'll tell you that the Audi uh, Q5 has a uh, five thousand five hundred. Uh, Uh, Pound trailer capacity. So I want to (laughs) give you,
0: I want to give you props for something. A lot of times when this car is a sponsor, you can tell when you watch the show because of the way they linger. I noticed that it was an Audi, but I never thought, oh, Audi gave them that car. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's you know because a lot of times you could feel like. Somebody, one of the characters is like, yeah, and, and check out this horsepower. Like, <laughs> no, you know.
2: So, And we even compliment the car multiple times in the show.
0: It but never felt to me like a um, a uh, shout yeah, out.
2: Thank you. I'm glad. I mean, because it, it was really organic. I mean, the characters uh, are flat fucking broke at the beginning of the season. But Cal's mom has given them this car to drive across the country. Right. And have this road trip experience. Right. Right. Um, in part cause he's got to get all of his art from his failed art show back to LA with him.
0: I like something I really like about season three is, which I relate to is characters questioning what are they doing with their lives and their work and their dreams. And it's all that kind of stuff. Whereas I think earlier on you were dealing with relationships and romance and sex and stuff. And, and now I feel like these themes are emerging about, wow, this is what I always wanted to do but it's not going the way I wanted it to go necessarily. And, and talk about those themes and why they were important for you to include.
2: For I me, mean, it's really about the characters growing up and yeah. having the characters kind of, um, dragged kicking and screaming into the next chapter of their lives. Like we all are, you know, I turned, uh, 30 shortly after we wrapped the second season of the show and kind of, you have to really like look at yourself objectively, look at your life objectively and say, you know, what doors are are still open for me? I mean, I know thirty is not that old, but but it is the moment I think where you have to start getting realistic about your um, your goals and your dreams, and and um, and also really just sort of saying, well, what really matters to me in my life? Right. Because uh, it's that like first flash of mortality. <laughs> right. And the characters were such kind of like free-floating hipster messes in season one and two, right. really working out their relationship. Um, but there's, there's so much more to life than just romance, right? And who you are, it really affects your romantic life, I think. You know, like uh, having these two characters kind of realizing that they don't know where they're going in their life. If you don't know where you're going, then how can you say for sure that you're going to stay with right. your partner? Because maybe you guys are going different places.
0: Yeah, and even if you know where you're going, sometimes the universe doesn't kind of support that, you know? And you have to figure out, oh, shit, I, that's not going to work. What about this? Or whatever. Right. For you, John, what what about those themes spoke to you as an actor? and? Uh, oh, gosh.
1: I a mean, producer? yeah, I think just going along with what he was saying about growing up and growing up with another person we've been together almost 11 years now and our life is completely different than it was and we've had countless number of jobs and the show has changed our lives and our lives have even changed five ten times since starting making the
2: show yeah like in the last year i feel like our <laughs> lives have changed in several ways that that are brand new and things keep on evolving and in that's... what ways
0: have they changed in the last year
2: God, we've—I mean—a lot has come through this sort of like Instagram hustle that we've been doing. We have talk a, to
0: me about that.
2: Well, we are in yeah, influencers. Um,
0: <laughs> that's such <fantastic. laughs>
2: a gross word. Um, we have started a gay travel and lifestyle blog right. called Where Gentlemen Go, and we have an ongoing. Video travel series with Out Magazine. We've gotten to uh, go to Aspen, Colorado, and uh, go on vacation to uh, Mammoth Gay Ski Week. Get a bunch you of got to, go places. to
1: Vienna to go to the Life Ball. Oh, that was amazing! Incredible in collaboration with Austrian Airlines and the Vienna Tourism Board. Yeah. So once you push past the initial moment of self-conscious embarrassment about doing this stuff, it opens up so many doors and offers so many incredible opportunities. And actually, a lot of people find out about Eastsiders because of our Instagram
2: accounts. (laughs) Yeah. Which was definitely Mm -hmm. why we initially started doing social media in the first place. To promote the show. To promote the show. And then, you know, kind of having it, it be this kind of dual function of promoting the show and promoting ourselves. That's something that really came about in the last year, really starting with our our wedding because our wedding photos uh, ended up getting a lot of kind of uh, press coverage right? and uh, got some attention on our Instagrams. And then in the weeks after our wedding, when we were so excited and we we're just sharing all the wedding photos with all of our friends, a lot of people like people started following us new people. And that's sort of what started the journey of, um, like, okay, well, let's take this seriously and let's post to Instagram a couple of times a day and let's think deliberately about what we're posting and the images we're, we're putting out there and try to make them look more professional, um, and, uh, and try to tell a story there too. Um, so that it's, it's a little wild. It's, it's very 2017. It's very, it is.
0: <laughs> and it's like the way you have to sort of think about things, you know, like, um, Thinking, oh, like okay, what if we do this picture? Then, then we can pay it off with this one. Or like you almost like t- the t- telling the story of your life in a way. You almost like yeah. producing something. Does it feel it's like totally... a producing kind of? It does sometimes, yes, yeah, it does. Sure. Not necessarily in a in a work way, but in a in a mindset way.
1: Yeah, I mean, in a mindset way and in a work way. Sometimes mm-hmm. it does feel like work. It's not always uh, <laughs> fun and games. But mm-hmm. like I said before.
2: Totally worth it. And sometimes we get paid for it, so sometimes yeah. it literally is work. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How many yeah. followers do you guys have now?
2: He just passed a hundred. Just passed hundred. Not at hundred yet. <laughs> He's getting there. Well, I, I don't know. You better step it up. I don't know.
0: You've been lurking or whatever. That's cool. Another big life change that happened in the last
1: couple of years is I started working in advertising because of the work I did promoting e-siders. e-siders was really my only work sample when I got my first agency job in New York. That's why we moved back to New York. right. I joined an agency called SpotCo to do the social media campaigns for Fun Home and Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime and did all their day-to- day posting, plus produced all their video content and then went to another agency in New York and was their associate director of social media with a bunch of different clients, and that took me up until last year, and we moved back here. Yeah.
0: What, what caused you to move back here? Did, did you finish? New with York jobs? fatigue. Yeah, <laughs>
2: and all of my opportunities were out here. Like, I sold a show to CBS last year that didn't end up getting made, but uh, was still a great opportunity and has opened a lot of doors for me in pitching other TV shows.
0: That's fantastic. And
2: all of that is out here. Uh, so that for my trajectory, it made the most sense to come out here. And for his trajectory, he can be in either place. So we're figuring it out.
0: I love that. <laughs> do you still do that kind of work uh, freelance or are you with yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, we've now? been
1: doing some freelance branded content stuff while we've been doing post-production on Eastsiders. And now that that's all wrapping up, I'm back in the interview hustle. So if you're looking for a social media person, there, me. you there, go. You go. <laughs> there you go.
0: And you learned by doing it. You yeah,
1: just found your way. all trial and error, very much so. That's really <laughs> cool. until that first agency job, I had never gone to an office five days a week and sat at a desk and done anything like that. So it's been...
0: What was that like for you? Not necessarily the job itself, but the routine. Did you find like, oh... I kind of take to this. This is all right. I did. I mean, there
1: was something exotic and fun about it, at least at first. I yeah. mean, you eventually you do get into a grind and it is an office and it's a job and there's something nice about not going to an office. But there's also something nice about going to an office and having your weekend actually be a weekend. Yeah. And it feels like a weekend. You don't <laughs> feel like, like you're like oh, hustling all the a time. relief.
0: <laughs> I remember the first time I had an office job, like a TV job office and there was a supplies closet and you could go and get pens or a notebook. And as a freelancer, everything is your responsibility. Yeah. And I just was like, I can go get a notebook? <laughs> I'm going to go get a notebook now. Like, it just felt like some stuff was taken off my plate a little bit. Yeah.
2: So my parents are both lawyers, and my mom was at a big fancy law firm all through my childhood. Right. And I would always go and raid the
0: supply closets. What would you take? post it. Oh, I'd take nice pens. Let's nice pens. Nice pens. What were the nicest pens?
2: The, they had like a...
0: I still get them sometimes. They, um... You guys keep talking. I want to know. Because right. I am a big fan of the uh, Precise...
2: That's
0: ...Rolling Ball. Um And I, every time I try to break from it, I don't like the other one as much and I end up coming back. It's kind of like the theme of um, East Eastsiders. <laughs> you have a relationship with a human being. It is the Precise I Rolling I have a relationship ball. with an office supply.
2: Precise Rolling Ball in blue. Yeah. I get precise
0: Rolling Ball. Those who the ones you would pocket. Yeah. Good taste. I compliment <laughs> that. How has Eastsiders doing it, appearing in it, affected your career in typical Hollywood uh, in terms of other opportunities as an actor, writer, director? Does it Has it opened doors? Do people see it as something different?
2: Do you want to know the truth?
0: Yeah, because this is a theme I'm really struggling with, and I haven't landed in a very good, healthy place <laughs> around it. I'm a little cynical about it now.
2: Uh, the truth is I, I think it didn't help me as an actor as I thought – that it would. I actually booked the uh, the role that I did for two years on Mad Men before the first season of East Siders came out. Right. Um, after I shot it, though, it gave me a lot of confidence going into that room because I, I, I was like in such a high from having done this over the course of a month I was just like yeah I can do this absolutely. so when you went to
0: audition for Mad Men
2: I had already done it and I had a new kind of sense of self about yeah because
0: you had something exciting going on yeah and I think that comes off when you go into those rooms
2: but I'll be honest um it hasn't helped my acting career as much as I thought it would Um, and in fact, I think that, and who who knows that this is just a, a virtue of people knowing who I am more rather than just being a faceless, like a nameless actor that comes in. Um, I, I find my opportunities are actually more gay skewed now. Like I get to audition for gay characters more than straight characters. And that was never the case before. It, and
0: do you Are you pleased with that development Or is it is what it is I, know,
2: I love auditioning for gay characters I would prefer to get hired more But I honestly uh, I don't know that I'm Most people's idea Of a gay character on television
0: You're not the sassy waiter
2: I guess, yeah
0: Or the sassy counter person
2: um, But where, one area where it's really helped me Is as a show creator
0: That's fantastic I
2: know that for a fact And I, you know, I've sold three projects in the last year Um and I, I really um I, I, I it's helped me shape my trajectory of what I really want to do, which is ultimately be a showrunner. And yeah. I would love for acting to be a part of that. Right. Um, but my passion is definitely in creating in world building, in creating worlds.
0: Right. When you started Siders, how big were you thinking with it? Were you like, okay, we've got these six episodes, or were you like, this could really like where was your mindset when you were starting?
2: I would say, um, with season one, our goals were, and granted, you know, there hadn't been a lot of examples of successful web series at that point. So really we were just like, we want to succeed as much as these successful web series, right? which meant going a little viral and getting on all the gay blogs. And yeah. those, that was kind of our stated goal at the beginning. Um, but I didn't anticipate being able to make a distribution deal with logo. I did not anticipate being able to put it out on DVD and video on demand through Wolf Video. And I certainly... Didn't anticipate having it come to Netflix.
0: How did that happen? That was on my list of questions.
2: That came about through our distributor, Wolf Video, and it really came about because of season two. Um, they uh, season one had been free streaming first two episodes on YouTube, then the full season was available for free for a year on Logo, right. and that kind of knocks you out of the running for things yeah, like you- an SVOD partner. Right? Um, they view the audience as tapped out at that point. But season two was six half hours with an established following, and we were able to offer it to them as an SVOD exclusive. To Netflix. Yeah. And so that, uh, I'm told that that was why it was a, a different story for season two than for season one.
0: Netflix is... Oh, in season
2: one, we'd also had a deal on Amazon. We were on Amazon Instant.
0: That's so, fantastic.
2: But that's a lot of things that, you know, like, Netflix doesn't want to be the fourth, like, uh... Fourth in line in distribution. They want to be first.
0: So then they got to have that with season 2 Mm-hmm. Netflix doesn't publicize a lot of their numbers. What do they tell you about who's watching or... <laughs> do you have any idea?
1: We don't know anything except what we can tell from social media and, you know, the bump in activity that we saw on July 1st, 2016, whatever the year was. Was it 2016? Yeah. Yeah. Um, When the minute it came out on Netflix, the Eastsiders Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram just went crazy and messages from all around the world and all these different languages. Like, we'd never seen anything like it in the history of making the show. It was really thrilling.
0: That's fantastic.
2: But they don't tell us anything. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't release their metrics at all.
0: But getting on Netflix, <laughs> it is a huge thing. Because it's everywhere and people look around and they're like, oh, I might like that show. And Yeah, yeah. it's
2: true. Like in
1: hearing about uh, Riverdale having a successful first season on its actual network, but then coming to Netflix and then becoming a hit there. I'm like, even Riverdale needed to come to Netflix to become a hit. Right. <laughs> like, it's, it's just crazy. a place where people are open to finding something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. They're doing something right over there. Mm-hmm. And so now season three is starting on iTunes and stuff like that. And then is it? Yeah. And we don't know yet if it's going to go to Netflix. But we're
2: or... hoping to be able to talk soon about SVOD Partners for season three, but we're focusing right now on our iTunes and uh, VOD distribution. So it's it's out on iTunes now. Uh, for international folks, it's on Vimeo yeah. um, and worldwide, and it's also uh, coming out on DVD, which you can buy on Amazon.
0: That's fantastic. Is Eastsiders, Siders like? Does it feel like your full time gigs? Does it is it that? Because it seems from the outside like a ton of work and a ton of steps. And when you talk about doing things on the side, it seems like wow, they have time to do stuff on the side too.
2: I'll be honest. When we do stuff on the side, it, it is like system overload. Yeah, like we're in post. Uh, we were in post and pre-production on videos at the same time while managing the rollout of Eastsiders and it every day was like a wake up and go to war are we gonna make it sort of
0: like <laughs>
2: <Right>. intensity
1: <laughs> and it does definitely feel like a full-time job and is a full-time job which is something we have to kind of struggle with and fight against because it doesn't pay so we yeah. have to it does not pay like a full-time job <laughs> we have to do other things
0: to make money to live um but and yes. that's the rub isn't it you know it's kind of like I don't know. You, you can probably relate to this. I look back at my creative life and the things that felt, felt like the biggest things, I'm like, I didn't get anything for that. Or I got yeah. nothing or that. I don't know. It's really weird.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's actual currency and then there's artistic currency, right? right. Like, and you really do have to decide what's valuable to you and uh, hedge a, a middle path between uh, being destitute and artistically fulfilled. And uh, And the know, other thing. And the other thing.
0: I hear you. Like... There's a book that I read a couple of years ago about, it was, it's called Learn to Optimism and it's about sort of mindset and the basic premise is, uh, optimistic people, uh, pessimistic people see the world the way it is. They're right, but they do worse than optimistic people in every measure. So in other words, if you can, um, I don't know if you, the way you approach things, even if you're not, uh, seeing it the way it is, 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 uh, you do better. Anyway, one of the measures of, of, the, of happiness that they found is engagement. And it's like sometimes I look back on things and I'm like, well, that didn't really lead to much. But you were engaged. You got to be engaged for two years. And like to get up and make your show, you probably felt like this is it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, this is
0: how I want to live, right?
2: Joe Biden had a really good quote on The View. <laughs> That's the name of this podcast
0: <laughs> I Just leave the episode You're
2: watching it this
0: morning I mean I love Joe Biden so much Put him on the view And my head's gonna explode
2: uh, what did He said the three keys to happiness Or the three main ingredients yes. to happiness You have to have Something to do Something to look forward to And someone to love
0: That's beautiful even
2: mm-hmm. though he was telling it to Megan, yeah, He was
0: telling it to Megan. <laughs> you know, she was the middle person. She needed to hear it. She needed. She maybe she needed to, need to
2: hear it. it, too. No, it was actually really kind of touching. It made me like her a little bit more than I have in the past. Because uh, she kind of broke down talking about her dad. And uh, he has the same kind of cancer that Joe Biden's son yeah. did. Um, and I didn't know this, but apparently Joe Biden and John McCain have had a decades-long close, close friendship.
0: That doesn't surprise me at all. I remember, oh my gosh, when it, when McCain's diagnosis came out, and I, re, I was driving to a meeting, and Lindsey Graham talked about it on the air, and I just fell apart. Mm. Who knew I was that invested in Lindsey Graham and John McCain's...
2: John McCain is definitely one of those people who's getting a little bit of a historical rewrite, um, yeah. along with George Bush, right. because we see how horrible things are now. And it makes us look back with rose colored, uh, a rose colored rear view mirror thinking about, you know, isn't it cute how George Bush paints puppies, but also wasn't it cute how much he fought against our right to exist? Um, You know, like uh, never forgive, never forget. I will never forgive either of those motherfuckers, but I will say even I have some nostalgia about that era.
0: Well, we're like that rally where McCain shut down that person that was—he's an Arab or whatever—and he like shut her down. And I'm like, that would never happen today.
2: Never, um, never. I know. And that—that that is what's—that—that that is, I guess, what I'm—I'm I'm yeah. having some appreciation for in 2017 yeah. is the civility that people used to have, and. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a I'm a part of moving things away from civility because I found it very frustrating that we could have such civil discourse and be best friends after when we're talking about whether or not I get rights. Yeah, you know, like it, it, that's a bitter pill to say. Yeah. Like, oh well, no, it's just ideas. Not actually, it's not just ideas. No. You know, no, it, it affects people's returns. lives and our tax returns. And I don't
0: want to hear about baby steps.
2: Yeah, come on, <laughs> fuck that. But at the same time, um, there, we've got to we've got to think back to some of those things and find find a road back to some form of civility. Right.
0: I grew up in the area where Jeff Flake is from, so while i am never be a Republican, like when he stands up to somebody, I'm like, that's my, those are my people, my stock. <laughs> you know. That Northern Arizona Mormon stock. And he's sending a check to Doug Jones or whatever. Well, in truth, we do it on both
2: sides. Yeah. You know, like, uh, not not everything. I'm not saying, you know, hashtag both sides or whatever. I, like, I, I'm obviously about as liberal as they come, but coming from Mississippi, I don't have the luxury of um, cutting all the Trump supporters out of my life.
0: Yeah, you, you've got some.
2: That's, that's a lot of my family. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, and How do you
0: manage it? Do you it's not hard. talk about certain things or not post about certain things? or
2: You know, everybody has their different line where they draw it. And right. as far as what I post about it, I'm going to post about whatever the fuck I want. You know? like right. and, uh, and I'm going to speak up anytime we're talking about it. It is a question of like how actively you need to be an activist in your uh, personal life versus your public life. Yeah. Um, I do view myself as an activist in both. Right. But that doesn't mean that I'm cutting everyone out of my life. That is a Donald Trump supporter. Yeah. Although, thankfully, I don't have anybody in my life who is currently a, a, a adamant Trump supporter.
0: They're all a little... They're uh, all a little... They're all on the spectrum. They're all <laughs> a little <when> aware. <laughs> well, but also they're
2: all a little aware, I think, of yeah. how fucked up this is. Yeah. And we're able to have those middle ground conversations where they can some... Yeah. You know, they, they can see the logic of what I'm saying.
0: I think even um, most Trump supporters, if Trump were to show up as your Uber driver, you'd be like, oh... <laughs> this isn't going to go well. He's going to make this about himself, and I'm going to pay a price for it. But when you look back on making um, East Siders, your experiences so far, what are the moments that you remember sharing together that were really meaningful or special, or where you're looking at something together? Or... Hmm.
1: I guess every single every time we've wrapped a season, getting to that last day, right, has been a very like euphoric thrilling crazy uh, feels like we just ran a marathon dodged a bullet <laughs> jumped through so many flaming hoops like every time we've gotten to that finish line together that's been really incredible
2: yeah that's what sticks out the most mm-hmm. to me too that and the fun and excitement of planning it when we start it you know the kind of brainstorming oh what if we did
0: we... this or what yeah. if we got a trailer
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: But those campers are not easy to shoot in, I would think
2: no that was really hard They're very
0: remember how cute we thought that would be
2: <laughs> well, my original plan was that we uh were gonna maybe find a soundstage in Idaho and take the trailer apart and then that just didn't yeah and like use it like an actual um uh you know like an actual sound stage like yeah. a set um but that just didn't prove to be realistic both on our mostly on our time frame yeah. um and uh I have to say uh. I While we were shooting, I was in a constant state of, oh, my God, this trailer stuff doesn't look like how I envisioned it. This trailer stuff isn't what I wanted it to be. And then looking at the finished product, I'm like... Actually, it's great how claustrophobic this is. That's what it is. Because outside of the trailer, it's always these beautiful big vistas and super expansive. But, you know, we're we're telling kind of two stories at the same time thematically. One, what it means to be just like mashed up as close to another person as you can get. And the other, to be out in the open air with limitless possibilities.
0: Wow. You shot up Mount Rushmore too. We did. Was that sneaky? Did you have to be sneaky or did you... Yes, we did. Did you get permits when <laughs> these 16 states that you were in? Cut this part out. Okay. <laughs> no comment. I do not recall. I've never been to Mount Rushmore. It's fun, actually. But I want to go... And you know all it is Is those faces on those rocks But I want to.
2: I would go there And the home museum is all about How it was designed as a tourist trap To get people to South Dakota And yes. all, all the people who died Making Mount Rushmore a bunch of faces
0: But <laughs> Really? Dry, a lot of people died? Yeah but People like making the, the yeah, You well, always any, hear on the bridges that like How many people died on this? Full of skeletons. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Just pour some cement over them. Um,
0: Yeah, get that Instagram shot. You know how many people died on that (laughs) nose? But the Black Hills are gorgeous
2: where uh, Mount Rushmore is. And the Badlands, which are just right outside of the Black Hills, are even more stunning. Um, So I, I say the reason it is great to go see Mount Rushmore is that that part of the country is stunning. I love it. And we just, you just driving through it.
0: How can, big of a crew did you guys take on the road? There were six of us. Including, including us. Cats. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was the two of two us cars.
1: and Van Hansis and yeah. Lincoln Lewis RDP and yeah. a sound guy and then another guy. Mm-hmm.
0: I also feel like East Sider tell, East Siders tells an interesting hair story. There's some awesome hair going on by you, not by awesome Vans. <laughs> There's like, oh, he's doing this side thing this year. Interesting. That's very... Um, and I also love how you sort of make fun of L.A. hipster uh, making a... I don't know. You're going to turn the van into something. And you're going to turn
2: it into a microbrewery. Microbrewery
0: yeah. and all of that <laughs> yeah. stuff. And now Echo Park is the new Silver Lake. It's true. All of that stuff.
2: Well, actually, now yeah. I feel like it's gone even like further yeah. out. And you're, like, looking at, like, Glassow Park and Frogtown.
0: Yeah. All the... the, You know, it's got to keep moving. Uh, John, as a producer, what are the things that you love doing as a producer, and what are the things that are you like, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this part? (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I guess I love
1: actually getting it out there in the world and having people watch it. Like, knowing that people are watching this thing that all these people came together to make, and I'm all these people coming together to make this thing and being a part of connecting all those people and finding the musicians and the crew and the cast I downloaded
0: two songs this morning from your show awesome I went right um free uh Free to love, free to love, love it. And the other song I liked very much was the same guy. So I bought his whole album. Oh cool, Brandon
2: McLean. Yeah, he
0: just made more money than you guys did.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, yeah.
1: So the the music is great. Getting all those people together to make the thing is thrilling, and then that's also the horrible part about it too, because navigating so many people's schedules and so many people's situations and circumstances and uh, demands is also incredibly difficult um yeah the every single like i said before every single time we've made this thing i felt like we have gotten away with something
0: <laughs> that it all came together that, <laughs> that it all kind of came together that yeah. everyone
1: was able to be there that every, all the locations came through that all, everything worked out it's always
0: been a la miracle well i watching it uh, you see it evolve as a viewer like with the acting with the writing every, and the, the shots do you, have you felt that as you were going along, like growing as a, as a artist?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, I was in school when I did the first season and yeah. seeing a uh, season two is I think such a huge leap from season one and season three, we were able to, I, I think, do another leap. Yeah. So, um, the only thing standing in our way from another huge leap is, uh, having a real budget to work
0: with. Right. <laughs> uh,
2: but I've learned so much every single time and, and also, uh, learned better and better how to work with a limited budget.
0: Yeah. What do you wish you had known at the beginning that you know now? Or is it, is it the kind of stuff that you got to learn by doing it? And you've...
2: There's a, a bunch of... I mean, mm-hmm. lately my mantra has been trust no bitch from Orange is the New Black. Um, just uh, a lot of people will kind of come into your life... Um, this, I'm going to be very negative for a second, and I'll try to find a way to dig myself. You're
0: on the it. right podcast. Um, <laughs> a
2: lot of people come into your life creati- creatively, like really gung-ho demanding that you give them responsibilities and demanding that you rely on them and then the second that you are fully reliant on them will start acting um, put upon and uh, unreliable and in many cases in our lives hold you fully hostage when they have you by the balls. We've had this with music licensing contracts multiple times. We've tried to learn that lesson, but then you graduate to a new echelon where you're working with one of the larger publishing houses. And you think that they're going to be reputable and they're going to be honorable, like, honor their word. But then they wait until you're in sound mix and they literally cut your testicles off and double your rate. And you're like, oh, wow. And I can't say who I'm talking about. You know, but we've experienced that with a bunch of different areas of the show. In season one, we dealt with the exact same situation with somebody's agent, where yeah. we had it in writing that we had a rate worked out for their music. And then their agent was like, I just want to check things over and review things and just don't worry, I'm not scary. <laughs> and then we were in Sound Mix and they doubled our rate. And I'm like, oh wow. So, trust no bitch, really just like get everything in writing right out of the gate, get it signed, you know, like, uh, Take... uh, And I've learned that on a couple of other projects, too. Like, get it all done the very, very outset. At the very beginning. Because you don't actually
0: know uh, who you're dealing with. Right. And it's kind of like you want to say, Well, next time we do it, we're only going to deal with the cool people. But you don't know who's going to be a nightmare until you're in it. Right. There's no way to know, really.
2: That's the biggest lesson, I think, is that... Also, the person who's not a nightmare at all can suddenly become a nightmare... Because of shit that's going on in their life. Right. You know? Like... Things of that nature, just, uh, when you have to work with this many people and you yeah. have to rely on this many people and you don't have the budget to just like snap your fingers and replace them yeah. at the drop, you know, like the, uh, we don't have the benefit of saying like, mm, I don't like the work you're doing right now. You're gone. Yeah. You know, like once you have paid, like in our world, once we've paid a deposit to somebody, we really need to stick it out. Cause we don't really have that money to move around. Right. Um, so that's that's part of the miracle of how it's literally been a miracle that the show has been made each season. Yeah. Because I would say each season there were at least one or two motherfuckers who like held it hostage for a minute. Yeah.
1: Well, and, The big lesson, too, that we're still trying to learn every single day is that ultimately it probably is going to work out and it's going to be okay. There's been so many days throughout this process where we've been like, all hands on deck, the sky is falling, oh my god, the end is near, this is it, we're all gonna die. And that was never true. But it didn't matter, because in that moment it still felt like all those things were true, and there have been so many days with cardiac arrest, uh, being afraid that all was lost, and... So that's something that I continue to try to learn. Is that it's probably
0: it's probably going to be okay. Did you ever get chased out of a location? I, I I've had that happen on short films and stuff that I've done where it's like, oh yeah, the cops are coming. We got to get the shot and then run.
2: <laughs> we did have one incident. Yeah, <laughs> where uh, a producer in season two had left. Um, we had not permitted a, lo- a location.
0: Yeah, it happens. Um,
2: and it, it was uh, a big ticket we're shooting the whole episode in this one location location oh shit and uh it was we, the day after a day where we did have a permit right. for uh, for echo park which cost us upwards
1: of two thousand dollars um and then our producer who sent out the call sheet for the next day left the permit people on the email that got the call sheet for the next day that we, oh,
2: shit. Show so we showed up like where,
0: these people are still shooting
2: we showed up at 8 a.m uh to find the cops waiting for us oh
0: my god
2: and um as our crew and uh, a bunch of talent was arriving and also this was a day where we had like i want to say 30 extras <laughs> and it was just like an oh my god <laughs> what what are we gonna do but thankfully john and our producer anuka got on the phone to film la and we're able to get it on the permit application and revise it
0: and you pulled a you pulled a jared kushner you revise that paperwork Revise that paperwork, <laughs> exactly <laughs> Works for Ivanka mm-hmm. Yeah Well, I'm glad that, that didn't, they didn't shut you down Oh, you know, thank scary. God yeah. yeah, that was another Everything is lost Oh, wait, yeah. it's fine <laughs> Talk to me, kid, about working on Mad Men You did a, a number of episodes
2: Yeah, I did ten episodes over the last two seasons
0: What did you think when you put on the period clothes?
2: I mean, I loved it so. Did you
0: feel so cool in them?
2: Well, I always got kind of nerd clothes because my right. character was not like the slickest, but every time I would go into a costume fitting, the designer, uh, Jamie Bryant, who is just, of course, anybody who knows literally anything about costume designers knows how incredible she is. I would
0: buy, she inspired some clothes of Banana Republic and yeah. I bought a, I was like, I'm just going to try on one thing. And I ended up buying a whole suit and I kind of lost my mind. She
2: also bizarrely just did the new Pennywise the Clown in IT. I did not know that. It's true. Pennywise was sensational. <laughs> I know. Totally, like, what a cool way to... And
0: fashion-forward. That was yeah. very fashion-forward Pennywise. Yeah, okay. come on,
2: Pennywise. Uh, but every time I would go into a costume fitting, they would just have rack after rack of vintage clothes in exactly my size, like, fitted to my body. It was, like going shopping at the vintage store of your dreams and then I would try on all these like amazing plaid suits and things that they didn't end up putting me in because my character was a nerdy loser. In the office.
0: (laughs) You were in the office. Yeah. Right, right, right. Who were most of your scenes with?
2: Most of my scenes were with Mathis um, who, uh, who was kind of my like little compatriot and we both worked for Peggy so, most of our scenes were with Elizabeth Olsen. I got to do some Elizabeth scenes. Elizabeth Moss. Oh, my God. Yes.
0: Jesus <laughs> like, Christ. What, okay. Where's my...
2: It's, it's... My brain is obviously in post-production still. No, she's
0: got an Emmy. She'll be She'll fine. She'll be fine. I okay.
2: think people know who she is. Yeah. I think I do, too. Um, so, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, I also got to do some scenes with Christina Hendricks and John Hamm.
0: Who and is John so and dreamy. Yeah. John Hamm. In yeah. person, just devastatingly handsome, right, and cool.
2: Absolutely fun, super cool, super dorky in a fun, approachable way. Loves playing uh, Saturday Night Live sketches on his cell phone.
0: That's cool.
2: Everybody loved um, doing uh, like just games in between takes. Like we would play catchphrase or Hangman, and it was fun.
0: I love that. That's cool. Was it fun when it was airing?
2: It was. It was really cool. Yeah. Especially because I was never able to tell people. Uh, we had really strict non-disclosure agreements. Yeah. Uh, we weren't allowed to tell people that we were shooting the show. So the first time I was able to really talk about it publicly was when the show came out. Yeah. And, you know, I, always, I think I didn't even You weren't same. even allowed
0: to say you were shooting it. Right. So you were, like, working on a mystery project. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's like when Willem was on Drag Race, and he was like, I'm doing an infomercial or some shit. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. And he would wink, and I'm like, I think I know what that... Indie movie in Romania might be. I can't believe you couldn't even tell people you were doing Mad Men.
2: Yeah, no, they uh, they were very strict about it.
0: Yeah, well, I love that show. I wish it was still on.
2: Me too. Yeah, spinoff. Let's go. All right,
0: you guys pick some questions from the the observation deck. What movie gave you nightmares?
2: Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but be- weirdly before I watched it, because this kid- This is the mere
0: idea of it. <laughs>
2: this kid, Glenn, after kindergarten, when we were waiting for our parents to pick us up, would tell me the stories of like how Freddy Krueger killed everybody in these movies, and that uh, like gave me nightmares for, for days and days. The other one, The Goonies. I was afraid I would see a skeleton.
0: Yeah, the Goonies aren't good enough. What about you, John? I remember a handful of
1: TV movies that really freaked me out. Specifically, yeah. I know my name is Steven. About about a kid who got kidnapped, but he knew his name was Steven. That's right. And so you're more <laughs> in
0: the real, you're more real-world terror, like this could happen.
1: Yeah, that could totally happen. And then yeah. another one about a dad who kidnapped his own son and did something terrible to him and they found his head in the lake. Holy which shit. could never happen. My dad wouldn't do it. But <laughs>
0: wow. Freaked me out. Okay, what's the worst job you ever had?
1: This, I think, is the same for both of us. <laughs> we worked at a diner together here in Sunset Junction, Ooh. owned by a crooked crook. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the worst.
2: Yeah, they, uh, we were hired I to, work, to open have this diner. I there. You probably, probably did. did. Was um, it a
0: spinoff of another place?
2: Yes, it was. Oh, um, shit. Um, I so, ate so, there. So uh, we uh, started working there uh, with no training and a POS system from 1996 that nobody knew how to use. That What's a
0: POS system? A
2: point-of-sale system for, okay. like, the computer. Right. It broke over the... Like, it, it broke within minutes, I want to say. Yeah. And this line around the block... This kitchen staff who had not been trained on any of the recipes, we ran out of almost every food item. It had one star on Yelp, and people just lose their fucking minds on us. Um, I remember one time I brought over a... like. There would be days where we would run out of hamburgers, run out of eggs, run out of lettuce, run out of bread. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be like, I have granola, but no milk. I'm sorry, you can't put anything in it. Um, <laughs> and one day I remember... Somebody had ordered a breakfast burrito, which comes with, like, breakfast potatoes, eggs, bacon, right. and cheese. And I brought it over to them, and I opened it up, and I swear to God, it was literally just french fries inside of it. And I was like, I... <laughs> they I, just I, stuffed
0: I, it with something. They didn't, it didn't even know." Like,
2: I was like, I don't <laughs> know what oh to tell you guys. Oh, my God. It's it's, so, I'm having anxiety just hearing this absolutely. story. Absolutely. I'm sorry your pancakes took an hour and a half, and I am so sorry yeah. that this... It's just a tortilla and french
0: fries <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Oh my gosh At least we had each other That's what yeah. I, That's good We'd okay. go in
2: and we'd open the restaurant at 6am <laughs> And just hold each other in the cold Yeah
0: <laughs> And your, your meal at the end of your shift was whatever was left
2: Yeah
0: Anything <laughs> What's a character trait that you share with your father? Can you pick that one?
2: Oh gosh, for me um, I would say my temper
0: Do you have a temper? Oh, yeah.
2: yeah Secret temper
0: when during East Siders did you did you freak, did you most freak the fuck out?
2: Only once, and I can't talk about it. <laughs> but let's just say I dressed somebody down at a gas station in Nevada and, uh, oh, ended, who hasn't? <laughs> and just like delivered a Dixie Carter monologue, where I thought I was going to make this little piece of shit cry. Wow! <laughs> it ended with me yelling,
0: uh, like, "If you have a problem with that, I'll see you in court. Otherwise, get in the car." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there you go. What were you thinking at the time? Oh, at that time? I was I was there for it. Yeah. Roll the camera. Let's get this. <laughs> we're
1: all kit now. Yeah. Mm. That's
0: <laughs> all right. If you had to change careers tomorrow, what would you pursue?
1: Ooh Oh. Maybe a non-profit? A think tank. Uh, a think tank. Think
0: tanks sound amazing. You place, just show but... up and think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Some sort of make the world a better place nonprofit would be exciting. The world is so scary and upsetting right now, yeah. and I think that would be, like, satisfying and you'd feel good about yourself at the end of your day. I'm sure you'd encounter a lot of uh, obstacles, but
2: there could also be something great about it. Meaning- it would be meaningful. Yeah. I hear you. It's a sideways uh, move, but I I would, I would I have fantasies about being a novelist, but they're, like,
0: distant fantasies. You do it. Made it happen. It's Made a TV, gonna TV show. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Describe your most unfortunate haircut.
2: <laughs> I had every single color of the rainbow in college.
0: Really, you were that guy.
2: I was that guy. It started because I did a play and I had to have a blonde mohawk. And then I, because uh, I was Dionysus in a very punk rock version That's of Black right. Eye, where so we ta- did, we had a vision, Vouteau theater movement. Yeah. Okay? And I, I had a staff, and I learned how to do staff tricks. What's a um, staff? Like a stick? Like a bow staff? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but my, so I went from blonde mohawk to blonde all over to Agent Orange, like Kate Winslet in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Right. And that has to be the worst hair I've ever had.
0: That's cool. John, did you ever know him when he had a different hair color? Briefly
1: some blonde. Okay. But uh, we were mostly not in the same state at that time, so I had to- You weathered I had it. to experience that blonde yeah. via Facebook. I had kind of like this like
2: piss blonde hair color for this movie retake that I did where I played a stinky prostitute.
0: <laughs> what movie did you play a Stinky Prostitute in Retake Oh fun With Tuck
2: Watkins Nice, nice.
0: I love it Okay What job were you The most excited To learn you got Madman Yeah
1: uh, Tartu fun Broadway My first acting job Was Fuck a Broadway yes.
0: show That was your first Acting that job with a Broadway first acting show job And I was like I did it <laughs> it's gonna be only up <laughs> from here. Sound. I guess wow. probably
2: if I'm being honest, I was most excited about my first acting job, which was also a Broadway show.
0: Was it um the Eric Bogosian one? Yeah. I but read like that. that
2: like moment of like, oh my god, we did it. We're not we're not gonna have to struggle. Did, did you guys know each other at the
0: time? <laughs> no. No, oh,
2: wow. I'm much older. He's much older. <laughs> <laughs> but, um Yeah, we didn't meet
1: until years later and that were very different seasons. But... So
0: how did you audition for a Broadway show? Uh you were you were Studying acting, you were yeah. Doing well,
1: it. it was right after I graduated. I went to North Carolina School of the Arts, and they take you up to New York. And now they do New York and LA agent showcases. At the time, right. they did not want to go to LA, but um, so we just did ours in New York. And I got an agent out of that, and he got me this audition. And within the first couple of weeks of being in New York, I booked this job. Wow, that and must have been thrilling. It was. It, I couldn't believe it. Who was in it with you? Anyone we'd know? Bryce Dallas Howard. Fuck yes. T.R. Knight.
0: Fuck yeah. Um
1: Henry Goodman and Brian Bedford and Jay Smith Cameron and Catherine Misley.
0: So you you've both done Broadway. Yeah. What's your favorite memory of being on Broadway, both of you? Oh gosh.
2: Um I would say my my favorite memory of being on Broadway was actually uh, getting to meet John.
0: That's pretty good. You got a tough, tough, tough story to follow. <laughs> you're like one time Bryce Dallas Howard brought in <laughs> some donut holes.
1: <laughs> and you're like, what? I would say having my family there, having my mom and my grandma and my sister, like the whole thing felt like Christmas. It felt like it was Christmas for four months, and that's how long the run was. Every single day was amazing.
0: Um, Yeah. And And Tartuffe is, uh, we did it in college, it's kind of like verse or it's... Yeah, rhymed couplets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's your thing. That's your jam.
1: (laughs) That was my thing. I have done that play a bizarre amount of times. And I'm not really acting so much anymore. But I could see myself being in Tartuffe five more times before. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. If you need a Tartuffe person, yeah.
2: there
0: Let you go. I love on, that. Let's put on a show, kids. <laughs> when it was over, were you like, ugh, what now? Yes, for sure. It was terrifying when
1: it was over. Though I guess I thought, well, no, now I'll just get another Broadway show. Yeah. And then eventually I
0: didn't get another Broadway show. <laughs> Shit, man. It happens. What was the first album, CD, cassette, or MP3 you ever bought?
2: The first one that I bought is embarrassing, so I'll tell you the first, okay, the yes, first one that's I bought the was whole point. the Mega Man movie soundtrack. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the first one I bought with like my own hard-earned yeah, money. I
0: don't even remember Mega Man as a movie.
2: But my first tape in my car driving around was uh, Tiffany.
0: Damn right. I think we're alone now. Mm-hmm. Could have been.
2: Mm-hmm. And my first CD was Fleetwood Mac Rumors.
0: Good taste there. There you go. I
1: like that. I think my first tape was Paula Abdul, Forever Your Girl. Damn straight it was. <laughs> <laughs> she was Forever My Girl. Hit, girl after, a hit after hit <laughs> after hit <laughs> after hit. It is Forever Your Girl. It's true. Yeah. yeah the best we got to meet her at a life ball kickoff event in new york a couple of years ago and she was lovely she's everything you want her to be it's true thank god i would have been upset that would have been a real bummer uh, do
0: Paul you know all green. the words to the rap part of cold hearted snake
1: <sighs> i wish i did largely I only... because of coco montrese's lip sync <laughs> yeah,
0: no i only know take it take another another look into his eyes and you only see mm-hmm. the other parts i don't quite know i think <laughs> anyways Okay, this is a random question. Someone in your life has disappeared. What TV detective would you hire to solve the case? I've got Angela Lansbury
2: Angela Lansbury for John <laughs> um, are, you, go. are you the murder she
1: wrote John? Um, kind of by proxy My best friend Alexis is obsessed with it And yeah. a lot of people I love are obsessed with people it People so. get hooked <laughs> There's a musical of it Our friend Philip Tarachula is involved in some way in some. It's called Bloody Bloody Angela Lansbury <laughs> It's a
0: musical <laughs> Murder she wrote
1: that's, that's trying to come to New York That'd be yeah. my pick
0: yeah. I'm going
2: to go with that as well actually. Yeah. Okay. actually.
0: Why not What's something that you can't believe you physically hurt yourself doing?
2: This one's for you, John. <laughs> uh,
1: I guess you're referencing the great soldier disloc soldier shoulder dislocation. I dislocated both of my shoulders at the gym doing military overhead press like nine years ago. It was pretty much we hadn't been dating all that long, but Kit had to come and rescue me. And
0: Did you re- do
1: it both at once? They both, both went at out once. at once. Little T Rex arms. <laughs> yeah. Had to go to the emergency room, it was a whole thing.
0: Now your character in Eastsiders does CrossFit. That's true. I got into CrossFit this year because of a group on. Oh yeah, nice. Yes. We so had what, so what, what Box do? Do you go to. What box? Is it called What Box? Yeah, well it's a box, right? It's a CrossFit box. I <laughs> guess so. What box? We talk box? about the WADs. Okay. okay Workout of the now. day. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: The WADs used to be super misogynistic. Really? Yeah, they were all uh, women's names back in the day. And like, yeah, I'm gonna crush Anna today.
0: Yeah, I'm going to destroy Anna. But they've rebranded. But they could also be lovingly. I'm going to. Yeah. I'm going to commit yeah. to Heather. I'm going to commit to Heather. So, Heather so hard, not necessarily. They've rebranded. Yeah, they've done yeah, a lot I of rebranding. I'm right. I get it though. I get why people oh, yeah. are into it. We did
2: CrossFit last yeah. year a lot, and I, we really liked
0: it. You get results, man. And the thing is, it's a nightmare, but then it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, what article of clothes? Oh, yes! Stop the presses. I did CrossFit The last time I did CrossFit There was an actor in there That I recognized From the Toxic video The Aussie Martin <laughs> Henderson Was in my CrossFit thing That's exciting it, It's so good And we talked afterwards Like I'm, yeah, I'm an actor And I'm like Oh fuck That's the guy from Toxic Anyway <laughs> What article of clothing Or accessory Have you gotten The most comments on?
2: Hmm. Hmm. Wedding
0: ring? There you go Let's see it
2: Boom. They're so
0: simple and beautiful. Thank you. What went into the choice?
2: We just wanted simple platinum bands. We didn't want to be too fancy about it. Yeah. Got it from a real nice
1: company. We went to Boston to pick them up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ba- why Boston?
2: That's where the company was. Okay. What's the company called?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I love <laughs> it. Road <rough> <laughs> <laughs> What is the
2: company called? What's it called? Oh, no. Oh, we'll no. Think we'll yeah. think of it. We'll tell you.
0: What t-shirt did you dislike the most?
2: What? Teacher. Yeah, oh, teacher. I thought you said t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, God. I've had so many teachers that I hated. Uh, I've, I've left every program that I've ever been in just, like, lighting a match and throwing it behind me at the gas station.
0: So... <laughs> That's amazing. Really? <laughs> yes. Even, like, you went to grad school at UCLA, right? Mm-hmm was lighting, you're lighting <laughs> <Yes>. a match. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, or you could pick a teacher that you loved. Oh, a teacher, teacher that, that I loved. You oh, could do either. I- Jack
2: Driscoll at Interlochen Arts Academy was the most nurturing, amazing teacher that I've ever, ever had. Uh, he was the he, uh, kind of, he was in the uh, creative writing faculty and inspired me to come move over, along with Anne-Marie Oman, who was the head of the program, inspired me to come move over from the acting program to the writing program.
0: There you go. Saw something. Yeah.
1: Nurtured. That's awesome. And my high school theater teacher was incredible. Shelley Potter and her best friend, Mary Sue eighty would assist on a lot of the shows. And... She was one of my best friends and by far my favorite teacher and I loved her so much and the shows we did were incredible and the people who came out of my high school who are still working actors today there's a ridiculous amount of us Where did you go to high school Apple Valley Apple Valley, Minnesota. Wow! And who, like, are there people that we would know? Probably. I mean, Brianna Brown, who plays Hillary on East Siders. There you go. She went to high school with me. We've known each other since middle school. Love it. Um, Mitch Jarvis, who was in the Broadway cast of Rock of Ages forever. There's a lot of people doing theater stuff. Christine Reese from your high school. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It was great. I feel so so lucky to have ended up there. Just a public school program. Real right. lucky. <clears throat>
0: What's the character trait you have in common with your mother?
2: Ooh, <laughs> my anxiety.
0: <laughs> yeah, you think? Oh, yeah. My love of Christmas decorations. Aww. Do you love Christmas? I do. There's some cute Christmas in here. Thank
2: you. John is really serious about Christmas. Uh, he's really serious about these uh, little gremlins called Annelies. These little elves that um, are all over our apartment. There are thousands Hidden in different <laughs> places. They just
0: turn up, uh, you know, in la- on Labor Day, you're still finding them. Mm-hmm. What, why do you love them?
1: I love them because when I was a kid, my grandma went on a trip and yeah. she bought some and brought them back to Iowa slash Minnesota. And I loved them, but we couldn't get them anywhere. And I tried to make my own out of felt, and that had various levels of, you know, not success. And every Christmas, I'd go to like run to the department store, like, oh, this
0: year, this Day- year they're gonna get us. Dayton's have them this year? Oh my gosh, they're weird. (laughs) They're so weird. There are are. they're like (laughs) these critters. That's a nativity scene critter. What animal are they? They're mice. They're
2: mice. Well, but they're merged with this elf. That's this is the original like face, right? Elves. Wow.
0: Okay, I'm taking a picture of this and putting it on And it's my, been
1: uh, a good uh, friend test barometer throughout my life. My high school girlfriend, now best friend Alexis, when we met, one of the first things we discovered about each other was that we both have these and love these. We're like, oh my God, you know about these things? Yes, let's be best friends forever. How many do you have? I think I counted the other day when I was on my, the phone with my mom and I, we have like 18 in this room. Right wow.
0: now. And but she they, was like, no,
1: you don't. And I was like, we do. I, I'm looking do at them Do they still right make now. them,
0: or are these like
1: eBay they things still make them? Oh, they
2: make them. You can get them at that Dillard's. Actually, I, was, <laughs> I had a
1: thrill the other day. Annalie followed me on Instagram. Annalie, there you mm. go. Lee
0: <laughs> <Annalie> herself. <laughs> That's what they're called? Couldn't believe it. What are they actually mm-hmm. called? The Annalie Els. Annalie Els. Yeah. She followed you on Instagram? Mm-hmm. You must have just...
1: did you post about these i didn't i think i just liked some of their pictures they have a very small instagram presence maybe no one's liked their pictures in a long time yeah but i'd be glad to post i'll post
0: yeah exactly spread the word yeah next next season of uh east siders there's a whole episode about these
2: are in season one yeah you you can see them in season one there you go, When Tom and Cal here. I think her. you can see a Mrs. Claus, and I think you can see two festive raccoons with yeah. masks <laughs> stealing Santa's sleigh.
0: I love it. <laughs> that I All right, tell people how they can watch season three of East Siders.
2: Season three is available right now on iTunes, Vudu, Google Play, and internationally on Vimeo. You can also buy it on DVD on Amazon and other retailers.
1: And you can follow it on Instagram at TV. same for Twitter, and
0: then Eastsiders the Series on Facebook. Um, have you started thinking about a season four? Is it Does it depend? Where are you guys at with that?
2: Definitely have thought about it. I mean, it's a never-say-never never situation because we love doing the show. It's just, you know, the hurdle is getting that initial financing together, getting the time to write it, and making sure that we do it at a time when the cast is available because everybody's working more and more now, like... Constance Wu is on Fresh Off the Boat and Crazy Rich Asians. Stephen Guarino is on *On Dying Up Here. Willem is Willem. Brianna Brown is off doing a Dynasty now. She's on the new Dynasty reboot. And, um, and and it's been pretty wild, you know, having to navigate all of those sort of um, scheduling conflicts. Yeah. It's part of the reason why you see uh, a lot of episodes following two characters at once instead of a large
0: ensemble in season three. <laughs> right. But I like those. I thought the way they, they played out like a little mini movie or a play or something
2: thank you Van called it a chamber piece which I I really
0: liked I really loved it and the combinations of people had such good chemistry and the relationships are so rich and interesting. I, I like that. Well,
2: I think the core of the show has always been the kind of deep dive yeah. conversations and those private moments between two people, and it's a really dialogue-driven show. Yeah. So I was, I also hopefully everybody agrees, but I also think it really works the slight format shift in season three. Yeah, I liked um, it. So uh, I could see it continuing in that way.
0: Yeah. What are the things that people have said to you? Either via email or whatever, that mean a lot. I'm sure any positive thing feels great, but there, you probably heard things that are like, "Oh wow, yeah, that's really I special." Mean,
1: hearing that anyone took the time to watch it and then took more time to tell us that they enjoyed yeah. it is always amazing. Specifically, hearing from people in other countries who had never known that they could be gay or that you could have a gay life or that you could have a gay happy life, like. That's really powerful to hear that the show is putting that hope out there into the world for people.
0: And
2: just anytime that people say that they can relate to the characters, um, you know, or oftentimes people say it's the first time that they felt that they could relate to a gay relationship or to a gay character in. In media, and you know that's that's really powerful when you can see yourself represented. I think that's why representation is so important, is because um, it fosters empathy—not just for characters, but for yourself. You start to uh, to like you know care about yourself a little bit more. If characters you care about can falter and uh, put themselves back together, you start to think, well, maybe I can do that too.
0: I think that's really wonderful. That empathy for yourself thing. It's never really occurred to me that way. Like if you can see yourself in something else and you can let them off the hook a little bit, maybe you can let yourself off the hook a little bit. Yeah. This is a wide open question, but uh it'll it'll be the final one. What has it meant to you, Eastsiders?
2: God, I mean it's it's meant the world. It's been It's taken us on a completely different trajectory and course in our lives that we didn't anticipate. It's brought us closer in ways that I didn't think were possible. We've weathered storms I never thought were going to come our way. And we've had triumphs and achievements that I never thought we would would deal with as a couple. It's been uh, really special to be able to do this as part of a partnership and uh, to know you're not alone even in the scariest parts of it, and to be able to share in the greatest joys.
1: Yeah, and it's really bonded us in incredible ways, but then also us with so many other people. Like Van Hansis, like you was saying earlier, we love him like a brother, and we know him because of this experience, and we're close to him because of this experience. And same with a lot of the people in the cast and the crew and a lot of the fans who've been there from the beginning. It's It's really built a very special community that i'm super grateful for and it's so cool that it's a show that exists forever i love that (laughs) you know it's having come from theater where it's so ephemeral and you work so hard trying to make a play that maybe a hundred people will see in a basement in new york it's so cool that this is actually a thing that exists as a time capsule of this time in our lives and of all these people's hard work and creativity
2: when i don't mean to give uh too much gravitas or weight to the show or to what we're doing. I, you know, our goals aren't outsized. I don't think I'm. Um, anyway, I'm going to stop uh, excusing what I'm about to say, and I'm just going to say it: that I think that there's something really literary and exciting and historical about being able to see a gay couple evolve over five years. That's kind of re- new in our recent history. We don't have a lot of examples of that. We have little one-offs. We have little sparks where we can say, like, "Oh yeah, that was a gay story."
0: Well, it seems like they're either the couple that was never meant to be together, and it's hot and fast and it's over, or they're perfect and they never fight and they always get along and they're 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 they've got each other. The one the one that's somewhere in the middle that weather things and you know that seems kind of new and you see them over a period of time
2: and having so few long form storytelling opportunities, right? You know, so like. What do we have we have in terms of episodic television, we have queer as folk we have the l word we have looking now is that it like what other gay t v shows are we really talking about that that lasted years that we're able to see characters evolve over seasons you know like that that to me is is something that that's a little rare still, and uh we're seeing that change with series regulars on straight focus shows aren't shows that aren't about sexual orientation and and that's not core to what they're about but it's a it's part of a a pretty recent movement in history towards including lgbt like narratives in a greater storytelling tradition and i'm excited to be a part of that
0: love it great note to end on this has been a lot of fun you guys it's, it's inspiring what you've created. So you should feel Thank really you. good about Thank it. So Everybody go check out season three. And if you haven't seen one and two, you can watch it on Netflix. <laughs> Thanks again to Kit and John. Check out Eastsiders. Uh, season three just went up and you can binge the other two seasons on Netflix. All right. So this happened. Um, my friend Jeb Havens, who you probably heard on this podcast before, um, he hosted his second escape jam on Sunday, and Jeb is a a games consultant, a games designer, and this is like a um, Sunday where people come, and they get divided into teams, and then they create their own escape rooms, and then they try each other's escape rooms. I'm sure I talked about it before the last time he did it. Anyway, he did his second one on Sunday, and it was totally fun. I was assisting him. I just kind of observed, but the cool thing about it is he's doing it in this really funky space in um, Koreatown that used to be... I don't know what it used to be, but there's all these strange rooms in it. It's connected to the Stash House escape room, uh, which we talked about previously on this podcast. So it's part of that same building, but it's it's the most bizarre place. There's I don't I, I don't even know how to explain it, but um, it was a great place to, to do this thing, and it was a lot of fun. So if you love games, um, maybe you could sign up for the next one. I, I think I want to try it one time as a team member instead of just helping out, because I love... The um, the mental exercise of creating puzzles and then solving other people's puzzles and it was cool. So um, you can learn about it at JebHavensGames.com and there's talk of there being a New York version at some point. Anyway, that's all. This was a long one. Check out East Siders. It was fun to talk to those guys and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.